0: all right hey everybody uh we're back with another edition of casey music talk i am here this week with a piano player musician writer and band leader chris lewis how you doing man
1: rob it's a pleasure love this place thanks man love yeah, your yeah, yeah.
0: Show. oh thanks um you and i um have known each other for a couple years now and uh we got the the first of all when i first got into town um it was nice uh uh, what was your guys' band again? Killer Strayhorn. Killer Strayhorn, that's right, yeah. And I went and saw you guys a couple of times, and you were you were nice enough to come, Or when I went up and came and talked, you were really, really nice to kind of give advice and talk about music and stuff, so I wanted to kind of publicly thank you for that.
1: Well, I was immediately impressed with just your confidence level, the way you could just stand there in the middle of a room and play the violin solo, you know, and just, I just liked your stage presence, your confidence. Uh, you know, you. I could just tell you were engaged and immersed, and uh, I, I saw this guy's. He's going to make his mark somewhere, somehow, pretty soon.
0: Thanks, man. That was my I impression. Appreciate, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. yeah. And then we, uh, after knowing you a little bit, uh, we played a couple of duo gigs uh, here and there, and then we, we ended up playing in the dudes a little bit. Uh, it was a kind of a silly band, but I but I, I really enjoyed playing it. What was your What was your take on that? You know, the
1: Dudes was well, one of a one-of-a-kind band. Uh, I admired the fact that, you know, you were going to do it your way. You had your tunes, your bag of tricks. Um, you were, I thought Violin as a Frontman was way cool. Mm-hmm. How often do you see that? Uh, I was just, you know, some of the music was over my head because, you know, I don't normally play in odd-time meters, and, you know, you'd come in fresh out of school. You know, you had the composer's hat on, hat on, and, you know... And your your side men were pretty dang good musicians. Mm. Uh, you had a great drummer and other people in and out of the band, but you know it was hard to know where we fit in. And, and mm. I, that's good and bad. You had your own unique sound, but it it is hard to find where you fit in in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know anyone who is halfway creative has a hard time with that because really the marketplace isn't about music in my view. It's really you know it's about people coming in the door buying food, buying drinks, maybe mm-hmm. dancing, you know, and fitting an art, I would call your music art music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know fitting that into that, sometimes it doesn't always mesh.
0: Yeah. And I definitely <coughs> want to talk about this here in a minute, but it was definitely that fine line that we always have between <coughs> being our artist self and knowing that we want to do something really unique and cool but then not being over everybody's head, you know, and it was, it, we kinda, we kinda weren't really jazz, so Jardines didn't really want us, and then didn't know what to do with us, you know, and then we'd go to a rock bar and they wouldn't really know what to do with us either, because we weren't really rock either. No. We were like some, I don't know what we were, but we weren't really either one of those, so that was just kind of a weird band. I'm really, I was really glad that you were able to play in that, and. Wow a little bit yeah I was I was glad to be there uh, gave it my all but uh, <laughs> I always wish I could have
1: done better you know yeah, that's just wow. a typical musician thing I always wish I could have played a little better you know yeah <laughs> well I think it did you did great man yeah. um,
0: the the one thing that I that I think is really cool about you that I think you and I bonded over a lot is writing yeah and I know so t- tell tell everybody a little bit about your like like, first of all, what are the, some of the, like, finished things that you've done? Because you've had a couple of albums, right? Yeah, Killer, uh, is called Killer for short. Um, David Bassey nicknamed me Killer.
1: It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. Um, David Bassey did kind of put us on the map initially. He produced our first record. We ended up with three CDs, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty good for a band that hardly ever worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the frustrating thing was, um, you know, you're going to sound better on your record when you've been working a lot. Um, If you're just kind of sporadically throwing it together every 30 or 40 days, you know, it's just not quite to the level that you would like. But still, I think a lot of good happened. You have to focus on the good uh, that happens. But as far as me being a composer, it probably started really as just being an arranger. Mm. You know, one day I just got the idea, you know, what would happen if I just did what I literally just want to do? you know, because I've been in a million bands over the years, you know, I used to play the horns, and I mean, I've, I've done this and that and the other, we'll clear back to Wichita in the mm-hmm. in the 70s, um, you know, um, the point is I played a lot of bad music, a lot of what I would call crap, mm-hmm. um, and we all have, but you know, one day I just thought, what would happen if I just did what I felt like was the best set list I could do, mm-hmm. you know, and then don't even let money enter into it, you know, literally just fund the whole thing you know work as much as I need to work on the side to get enough money to bankroll it and so you know I just started this group and um, uh, you know I was kind of forced in the role of arranger you know because somebody's got to do the hard work you know because some of the side men you know they've got a million other bands they're in so I kind of had to do kind of had to just start writing and I look at you know arranging is kind of kind of composing I mean it really is Um, it's kind of Maybe it's not a full-blown year piece, but you're still sort of writing. And then that led to composing, and composing leads to arranging. They go back and forth. Mm-hmm. But really, at the end of the day, it's all the same. You get ideas, you get inspiration, and one way or another, it gets on paper. Maybe it takes an hour, maybe it takes a year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have a kernel of an idea that just sits around, sitting on a piece of paper. It just sits there, and you know, months and maybe years go by, and finally you go, hmm, bingo. I'm yeah. going to put that there. You know, and even the classical composers would do that. They, When they would need a, a theme, well, okay, hmm, I'll just grab that string quartet theme and throw it here and arrange it for voice. And, you know, we all mm-hmm. do that. We all yeah. extrapolate, and it's just a joy to see it. It just kind of happens. Yeah. And then you look back and you go, when did all that happen? Mm-hmm. You don't even hardly remember.
0: How did I get here? Hannah? It's almost like an piece, altered yeah. state
1: that you go in, you know, just... It is cool. Yeah, yeah. There's no feeling like it on earth to just have
0: this thing that just happened and you don't even remember doing it. Yeah. And so that was one thing that I know happened when I made my two albums is you were talking about kind of that that time where you either you write it in like 30 minutes or you, you have a piece, a riff or a chord progression or something, and then you can feel it in your head that this isn't done or this isn't right or mm-hmm. whatever. And I know we've, all the writers have had that moment where it might be like 1.30 in the morning or something and you, you've written your little thing and then you, you have to kind of make that decision where am I going to stay up for another hour and a half and maybe this thing, this perfect thing will come to me? or do I put it down and then later it's all you know it's, sometimes i think people can have that faith sort of that every time i put it down it always comes back better that that's how i felt usually every time and but isn't that a weird moment where it's like do i do i push through right now or do i put it down or i've, you know? I've been there a hundred times and what has always saved me not
1: that i've messed i've messed up many times but i hate to sound low tech but i'm kind of an old guy a little handheld cassette recorders putting ideas down because if you walk away with nothing yeah, you, it is gone forever yeah, mm-hmm. you will never you will never even remember the groove or the rhythm and so when you have something
0: on tape oh, I love it mm-hmm. it's it, you it. just have it and that's super smart yeah you know and, and we have all sorts of ways we can help with that now of recording yeah. it in Everything. your home yeah. and like, yeah so yeah that, that's a really good piece of advice of for any writer because you're like, oh, I'll remember it. No, you won't. You, <laughs> you know, will not yeah, remember yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. a lot of
1: times with me, it's a groove, it's a rhythm, you know. Yeah. Uh, my dentist looks at my teeth and he goes, "What's wrong with your teeth?" I go, "Well, I'm always drumming rhythms, you mm-hmm. know." <laughs> yeah. Because they're kind of wearing away. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That's funny.
0: <laughs> and like, so, so with writing, like, what was, what was something you, you've kind of already touched on? What you like about, you know, what's the really cool thing about writing is that there's nothing else like it, and whatever. What's a tough thing about writing that, that always kind of gets you? You know, I think
1: my weakness is just the gruelingly, you know, just notating it. You know, it just takes so much mm. time. Do I really want to waste all this time? Or can't I just sing it into a tape recorder? Yes. You know, because all the writing of it, you know, because I still do it the old school way with a pencil on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, the computer's fine. I do that a little. But, you know, just writing rhythms, and it, it can be a little tedious. Yeah, You yeah. know. And I admire these old-time composers like Stravinsky. They're on an airplane, just writing. Yep. I'm at the piano. I yeah, mean, right, that's right. pretty much me. But I am amazed at these classical composers that can just sit in an airport yeah. and write symphonies
0: and no- notate it right there. I don't know yeah, how yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. That's mind blowing. I think I have that same problem too because you you saw when we played with the dudes like I, I didn't really write anything out in notation. I'm I'm really good with like chord charts and mm-hmm. stuff, but and I wrote all those out, but it with the type of people that I had, it it probably would have gone just as fast because anybody that I was hiring for the band can totally read easy. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, is this going to go faster with me? Just play it for it. Play this. If it's one riff in a song yeah. and then the rest of it is sort of chords, mm-hmm. how fast is it going to be for me in rehearsal just to like play this for two seconds by ear and then he's got it so yeah so that and and i think i the reason why i did that was by necessity because i'm not good at writing stuff out in notation i can read it great but it just like you said it just takes forever man yeah and you know one little uh thing i was occasionally
1: miffed at with my group was you know everybody even years into it were still just reading You know, when really we should have you know, but if we would've worked more, you know, it's it's a yin and yang, you know, it's partly me, it's partly, you know, if we're working every night, then they're gonna get it. But you know, generally they're just opening it and reading it. And yeah, you can do pretty well doing that, but it's nice, you know, when you look at a band like Yes, there's no chart anywhere. They just have it just completely immersed in it. But they're working all over the world, you know, back in the day. So you play better when you just have it. Yes. in here yes. rather than, you know, here. Yeah, right. And I think you have better stage presence. I agree. You know, when yeah, you're yeah. sitting there doing this,
0: right. that's just not interesting. Right. And in this modern world, you have to be sort of visual. Yeah, I agree. And and, and you t- you touched on this a minute ago about the whole idea, because I think I, I look at it sort of like this, this spectrum of we have... The people that are ridiculously artsy, you know, they are writing and they could not give a crap about what other people think of their writing. And they're going to, for example, they're going to write in whatever time signature they want. you know, definitely some of the Stravinsky's of the world Mm -hmm. would fit in that category, Mm I think. And then on the other spectrum, you have the people that are... 100% writing because so people will like it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know I heard this quote one time that is a very artsy kind of quote where they were like, it's better to write for yourself and have no public than write for the public and have no self. (laughs) I was like, ouch. I know, dude, that's an ouch of a (laughs) quote, right? But my my buddy that I, and and I won't mention his name, but he's, uh, he is definitely on this camp over here. You know, he is, he's writing stuff that he, because again, he looks at it where, what is the good in that of, of the artsy side when nobody's going to hear it? I'm not going to make any money. Nobody cares about, it. you know, they, so really it's, he, he still wants himself to like it. You know, he, he can't just write it for something he doesn't want to write, but he's very, it's a very outward mentality, right? And the artist is very inward, right? They, and so like... I think you and I are maybe in a similar camp where we're, we're more over here than we are over there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to put words in your mouth, but that's my perspective. And uh, talk, talk about that a little bit. Well, more. you know, one of my heroes is Pat Metheny. I think he bridges that world
1: maybe better than anybody. Because mm-hmm. he pretty much writes what he wants to write, but somehow it has a humane quality always to it. And, you know, the whole world resonates to it you know but you know the purist the jazz purist would say well it's too this or it's too that mm. but you know the whole world disagrees with you right, the whole yeah, world yeah. gets blown away they they make his music at their wedding right, right i mean they do and yeah he and plus he hits every style he just mm. you know he is if anybody doesn't you know do this to pat matheny they're crazy mm. he has made money doing what he wanted to do and I don't think he's sitting there going I want to write something that's popular. He doesn't do that. Right. He just writes the music he wants and it for some amazingly miraculous reason it has appeal to many 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 people yeah. that you wouldn't think it would. Right. Somehow he touches that that sublime moment within you that's like, yeah, I can relate to it. You know, I may not understand it all but That moment, wow. You know, they may not get the whole piece because he has pieces that are 63 minutes long. Of course, they're not going to get the whole piece, but there's going to be moments that yes
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know he, he has that quality it's mind-blowing
0: yeah how he's done it so long yeah the, the pop culture example <clears> of that i would say is maybe somebody like a pink floyd yeah right where they've had many many radio hits yeah. you know but then you go listen to some other stuff echoes is a 20 minute tune yeah. and like it's it's a full work dark sun on the moon the wall and yeah and, and which we're here and like so they they do a really good job of making their stuff very jammy mm-hmm. and very uh, musical, mm-hmm. but also being very like melody driven and tasteful too. You know, and I I think that's like maybe they've kind of hit on a little bit of a key there. If if you want to try to try to bridge that gap a little bit, because mm-hmm. um, you I mean people are always talking about how you know bebop is a great example where it's like it is, you know, a, a very high level kind of mu- musical genre, but unfortunately it closes more clubs than it opens, you know, yeah, right? yeah. to the public anyways about, you know, people just kind of don't, and uh, it's, it's kind of always this line that we have to kind of address at some point in our writing maybe a little bit because we can sit there and be just mad. I'm like, I'm writing these super artsy, super interesting stuff, but nobody cares. And so, it, you know, what would, like, like, I don't even have an answer. I don't know if there is an answer. It's all you. Is that the answer? Is that you have to choose? I mean, if you, well, what way you want to go? You know, or I was thinking about
1: say? that this today, and, you know, maybe this simple, if you need a simple thing to hang your hat on, you make your albums as sophisticated as you want, but on your live show, you know, Think mm-hmm. about that there's gonna be somebody drugged there that doesn't know anything about what you're even doing. Yeah. Give him something to hang his hat on. Like, one time I, I opened the, the uh, Prairie Village Jazz Festival, our band mm-hmm. did, and you know, the I picked a tune from the country realm called Why Not Me by the Judds, and I arranged it for our band, just as kind of a tune, just that somebody who knows nothing about jazz could at least hang their hat on. I know that tune, mm-hmm. and by God, at the end of the show, this lady comes up to me and goes, I just love the way you did that judges tune, you know. Mm-hmm. This is at a jazz festival. Yeah, that's but cool. you wouldn't think, well, you can't play that. Yes, you can. Yeah, you yeah. can play anything with feeling, emotion, and yeah. taste. And if you listen to the tune, Why Not Me by the Judge, it kicks butt. Mm-hmm. Whoever wrote that wrote a little gem. And you know, occasionally I, I want to think I'll be thinking about some girl and I'll go, I should just go up to her and go, Why not me? <laughs> But anyway, the point is, you know, I think your live show—you got to think larger than just your own little trip. But on your albums, I think you can—I think that's where you make your statement. But on your live shows, you make it equally about the audience and you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty-fifty. Meet them halfway. You know, and they'll meet you halfway. Yeah. You know.
0: And the other thing that I was—that a thing that always (coughs) fascinates um, me—is the fact that, like, I'll write this, like. You know, fifteen minute instrumental with five seven or five eight and seven eight and stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, this is gonna destroy the world. You know, this is the greatest thing ever written. And then, and then I'll go listen to, like, the, the example I always give is like "On the Road Again," yeah. and that's like an example of a geniusly simple song. You know, and it's just awesome. It's it's perfect. There's nothing there's nothing you can do to, that would make it any better. And that that really like. That drives me nuts, you know, how somebody can make a, a, a just geniusly simple song. There's also terrible simple, obviously, but but, but the, the
1: power of simplicity. Yeah, it's unreal. And even yeah. Mingus said, you know, the trick is to make the complex sound simple. Mm. You know, yeah, you know, simple, you know, at the end of the day, the best tunes are simple. Yeah, I heard Angel the other day by Sarah McLaughlin. Mm. Oh, my God. It's just a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. You know, 15 yeah. years later, it just still blows me away. Yeah. And maybe it's not just the tune, the arrangement, just what they did with it, just the minimalist
0: approach mm-hmm. is just still moves me. A thing that I tried to do on my album, and I don't know if I did it very well, but is try to take like an 11 8, but then everything else about the song is like pop, right? The lyrics are pop, the chord progressions are pop, the melody is pop. Uh, the best example ever of this is take five or you money know, or money. Yeah. Yeah. Money is another, that's yeah, yeah. I would have never dreamed that. Yeah. And like, like with, with take, with take five, the melody is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The chords are not weird whatsoever, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and the fact that they do that repetitive five over and over about a minute and a half in, that sounds normal. It does. You know, it sounds really normal and you can kind of feel it even though it's this weird time. And I, I, I I think there is a way to bridge this. There is two worlds. There is a way to make it kind of artsy, but but make it uh, accessible is a good word. You know, make it accessible to regular people. You know.
1: Yeah, and you know how you do that is the question. I think you you know Charlie Hayden used to say, to be a great musician, first you have to be a great person. Mm. You know, that's where it stems from. Because once you're on the road to being a great person. You don't do silly, irrelevant, sort of overly anal stuff anymore. You see, that's, I don't need to be silly. I don't need to, wow. you know, I don't need to be that um, nasal, navel gazing. You know, mm. I need to think bigger here. You know, what is my audience thinking about? You know, what are wow. the times we're living in? You know, Charlie, you know, he hit it out of the park on that one. You yeah, know, that was, that's first a First be a quote. good person, yeah. and then your music
0: will reflect you. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like you play how you live, you know. I mean, the same same yeah. quote. I mean, how how much our emotion and stuff is put into our music, and it, it really shows what kind of person you are when you when you play. You know, you can really. And I repeat. think you can be overly sort of in the practice room in college. That's mm. too much. I think you need yeah.
1: that. There's a time for that, but at some point, you've got to have other interests. You got to travel, relationships. I mean, you gotta you gotta read history, philosophy, religion spirituality all that goes into it yeah, yeah. You know, um, like when I hear the old Christian hymns I just hear the reverence yeah. and it blows me away yeah. I mean I'm not that religious I don't go to church but I can hear just the reverence these people yeah. had the belief system they had you know and even chick says Chick Korea. Mm-hmm. he says. Back then, they weren't going. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You know. But mm-hmm. now, kind of, we're all doing the look at me. Yep. Back then, it mm-hmm. wasn't look at me. Yeah. It was look at creation. Yeah, yeah. You know. So some heavy concepts. Yeah, that's yeah. that's
0: deep. Um, <clears throat> you're pretty deep.
1: <laughs> I get it from you. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> I've rubbed off. All right. Um,
0: uh, so, so let's switch gears here. Yeah. I know, uh, one time you and I, uh, when, when I first got into town, we started talking there, we, we, talked a lot about writing and we also just talked about, uh, you know, d- different moments of being, you know, generally frustrated at musical things that we were frustrated about. And, uh, as a lot of musician friends do, you know, you're venting and stuff. But, um, one thing that you were explaining to me that I have no concept about because I wasn't here at the time, but uh, talk, you, you were talking to me a little bit about gigging in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Talk talk in comparison <clears throat> to today. Talk, yeah. talk about that.
1: Well, I came up here from Wichita, and I'd been out of music for a while. I just took a you know, it's raising two little ones mm-hmm. in Wichita, and um, so uh, I did come up here, kind of getting back into music. And you know, didn't take me long to kind of you know. Back then, we had the pitch newspaper, and you put ads in the pitch. I mean, yeah. that's just what you did. This was before all the online stuff. Right. So you know, we'd answer ads and back and forth. And so, before you know it, I'm in, you know, I tried to start a smooth jazz group because I thought that was a happy medium between hardcore jazz and rock. I kind of, and I actually kind of like some of the smooth jazz. Some yeah. of it's very tastefully done.
0: There's some very good smooth jazz yeah, players, the, and they don't get the cred. Yeah, like, the, I mean, Pat, right? I, Pat, I mean, somebody yeah. would say that right. he's Somebody jazz. would say he is. I wouldn't, but yeah. yeah. yeah I agree. And he wouldn't.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because smooth jazz started out kind of cool, but it sort of nosedived yeah. really fast, and they really compressed it into 3 chord crap very fast yeah. to make money, and then it fizzled and died. You know, once again, they destroyed a beautiful thing the Mm. business aspect but Mm. anyway yeah you know pretty soon I'm in a smooth jazz group and the guy is a booking genius and uh, we're like everywhere Mm. and we're not even that good I'm still sort of (laughs) getting my chops back up and we did have a good sax player and you know I did some of the writing and pull tunes I think one of my strengths is uh, just finding good material I think that's Mm. just a gift I've been given what tune works with these people yes or this situation. Yeah, you know, that's just one of my, you know, one yeah. of my few talents. But it's one of my ones that keeps keeps coming up. But anyway, yeah, it just seems like it was wall-to-wall music in Kansas City in the mm-hmm. mid-90s. Just just tons and tons of places to play.
0: Because we keep talking, we keep hearing, at least in the jazz world, about 20s through 40s, you know, was mm-hmm. the definitely the heyday, and then even 50s a little bit. But then we've talked, to, we've heard about over the years, like specifically jazz-wise, of it kind of, kind of dying as the years go by, but it, boy, boy, it sounds like from what I've heard from you and other people, even in the 90s, this was pretty hopping This here. was a yeah. hopping town in the 90s. Lots gigging, of work, yeah. everybody
1: was working. Um, no one was crying the blues. And like I said, yeah. you know, the smooth jazz band I was in, we weren't, you know, we weren't like mind blowing, but we just kept getting called back. We'd mm-hmm. get regular work, uh, you know, it wouldn't be like, well, we'll see you in 90 days, you know, no, it was like, you're booked all month. Yeah. Yeah. So right. you know that's cool. And that's what you I mean would, at the
0: same club. Or? <clears throat>
1: well, or at a at a casino or something. Yeah. You know there was wow. there was a lot of casino work then, and um, and that's what kind of miffed me about when I had killer going. You know it would just be like a one off gig, and then well we'll see you in six months. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah, yeah. could we have a three day weekend one time yeah. and get comfortable, get our groove on, start building a buzz, yeah. but no one would want to hear that. It was just a one off, and then you're gone yeah. next. You cannot build a music community that way. Mm. Um, But maybe, you know, I don't know what the club owner's goals are, but I would approach it differently. But I'm Mm. not sitting in their shoes either. Um, I think you get a band and you kind of get behind them and build a buzz. Let them move in for a week, you know, and and talk them up in the papers and let them get tight, you Mm. know, because one off gigs do nobody any good. If you know what I mean by one off, yeah, game. yeah, I, yeah. You come and together and then you're not together again for a month. Yeah, because
0: because you've heard. I mean, we've all heard like like Ellington like had the Savoy or whatever the yeah. you know, Cotton or Cotton what's it called Cotton Club, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and like they would they had like six nights a week, you know, and they and they would just move in and then that was their club. Yeah, and then they played at that club. But now I think. <laughs> It's, it's different because everybody's so bored, you know, everybody gets bored so easily that they feel like they can't, I'm putting words in their mouth, but maybe they feel like they can't do that with any band. Like, like name a band that has five nights a week at the same place. There isn't one in town. And maybe the reason for that is because they feel like everybody would just get bored too fast. I I, I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. But I don't know. But, but still that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you can't have them back like every week. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, every every Friday or so, you know, like Lonnie, for instance, has Mm -hmm. set gigs and he's able to do that and he has a huge following, you know, so. But the club what... owner would say, "Well, it's not my it's not my job to get a band tight." You know, that's what they would say. Right, and and I I agree with that because mm-hmm. I don't think it is their job to get the band tight. Mm-hmm. There might be some a whole bunch of other things that is their job that we can get into <laughs> later. But that, but that that's the whole argument is like the the bringing people part, right? I, I would argue that 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 is maybe a mutual deal that you could make a strong argument that it's either both. Or their their thing, but the band tight—that's on us. That—that's yeah, my opinion. But know, the, band. the flip side of that is, I mean, how often have you heard of Coltrane and
1: Monk at the five spot or whatever mm. all month long? Yeah, ornette coleman. The greatest thing, right. you know, that, that hit town. He's here all month. Yeah. They create a international buzz yeah. over it. Yeah. Now is this a PR stunt? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just not happened today. But yeah. it put those people on the map. You mm-hmm. know, Ornette Coleman. You wouldn't know his name
0: today. Maybe you yeah. don't. But, um, oh, I know exactly who he is. Yeah. He, you he, know, but he was with Charlie Hayden, right? No, Ornette Coleman no. is just um, he was. What was the guy with Charlie Hayden that, that did the the weird, the really out there? I'm getting my names mixed up. Well. Yeah. It, it, irrelevant. It, yeah, it's it's irrelevant. irrelevant. Yeah, it's irrelevant. I mean, will yeah, yeah. think of it. But I'm yeah. just
1: thinking of Ornette Coleman. He's a 1950s uh, yeah. and 60s alto saxophonist, and he had kind of, you know, he went kind of more free form, less chords and just melody. But all of a sudden, he was just an international sensation. But it, a one-off gig wouldn't have got him there. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he yeah. moved into a club, and the whole freaking town in New York went to see him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, you know,
1: that's just what
0: happened. Yeah, I'd wonder if, if if we could do that today, how it would be different. I mean, it's it, something would be different. <laughs> you know, the the scene would be different if we were able to do that at a, at least a couple of clubs. You know, yeah. You know, so, um, w- when you were running your band, <laughs> uh, what what was a thing that was that didn't work about it, or that was really tough about being the leader, especially?
1: Yeah, you know. The- it's tough to be a band leader, um, but I, you know it's what I wanted to do, and I'm glad I did it. But um, it is tough. You know, I always tell people it's tough to get five guys in a room. Period. Mm-hmm. Just to get them in a room, yeah. you're already like doing pretty yeah. good. Now to get them sort of on the same page, that's like the next level. And to make them really, you know, want to work on your material when they are in three or four other bands, that's tough. I never really wanted to make demands on my players. I thought it would just confuse them. So I just really let them be themselves. Um, I don't think you're going to order too many musicians around and crack the whip. That's just not going to work. Mm. So I kind of just let it all sort of flow. I hated when they couldn't make gigs and I'd have to get subs. I mean, they never, yeah. the subs never hardly work. Yeah. The exception would be John Ward, who's a really fine guitarist. Oh, yeah. He did work, and I ended up putting him in the band. He worked yeah. so well. And I ended up writing tunes just for him. And going back to writing and composing, you know, just to finish up on that, we didn't get as, yeah. that far into it. You know, the my, I think the best writing comes when you're inspired. A new guy's in the band, you got a new girlfriend, or just things like that. Yeah. The writing just flows. Mm-hmm. It it just flies in the window and it's just there. Mm-hmm. You know. In other words, there's a reason you're writing. You're not just writing. Mm-hmm. There, you're inspired. Mm-hmm. You're inspired to write, and it's yeah. not even hard. Yeah. You know, the you know the minute John joined our band, he was like, I just had you know wrote I th- wrote one of my best compositions and. It was just, I was going to write a tune just kind of about the vibe of John Wirt. Yeah. You know, and I wrote One Begins to Wonder, which is is one of my better compositions in my my, uh, estimation, and it was the title of our third album. Yeah. One Begins to Wonder. It was just... It was just him, and he, and he just shines so well on it. hmm Yeah. Yeah. That's I, fun. Yeah. To it, write for a guy.
0: Yeah, and I felt that way with the dudes when we, <clears throat> towards the end, when I had, had Brad there, and then DeAndre Manning came in, and he's just as good as funk as Brad is, and I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot to not do some funk right now. And yeah. I was kind of inspired in yeah. that way because I'm like, I have these two like monsters at funk. And so yeah. even though I wasn't writing, I changed my mentality and I got a little bit of inspiration there yeah. and I'm like, okay, we we, need, we don't need to change to a funk band, but no. we, we definitely need to start like moving in a little bit of that direction because these guys are way too good at this. you yeah. know, and, and he was probably, John was probably the same way where he had some talents but also just the inspiration of you were talking about getting five guys in a room at the same time. I mean, we're not, we're not working. You know, a lot of times, you know, we're not working with masterpiece theater in regards to like, uh, like flakiness and stuff like that with people. I mean, we're we're like 50 year old children, right? I mean, musicians. You know, I mean, I'm joking. You know, but but sometimes we're, you know, we're we're nut We're all nut cases. Well, you know? the thing like, about John when he
1: joined the band and at the end, our last half a year, year, whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, he just brought a, a higher level of work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, he shedded the tunes. He brought in tunes. He, you know, he, he showed up. I mean, we mm-hmm. played a tune by Pat Matheny called um, Follow Me. Played it at Jardine's. And he freaking, I hear the tape of it now. It's like, wow, that was like a one off take.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my God, he just killed it.
0: Mm-hmm. He was ready. He's just, I mean, yeah.
1: this is a tune with ding 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 harmonics. You know, yeah. that's the melody. He's yeah. got to play it in harmonics at a, at a noisy, crazy jazz club and he just sounded great and Mm -hmm. our game just raised. Mm -hmm. And not a ton, but just that little bit which is all you need. Mm -hmm. We were already here but we got that over the top, which you know, we had some good moments with him. Yeah, that's good moments. That's always
0: awesome when you get when you have people that that are do have that work ethic and then you come in and you're just like they're stoked. Oh wait, he like knows the tunes. Yeah. We we'd need to rehearse, but not really. He's yeah. like, got him already. You're yeah. just like, I don't understand. <laughs> you know, you're sitting there like, wait, this isn't supposed to happen. Like we're we're This is how, this is how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to, I, I'm supposed to have these moments before rehearsal happens where I'm like, okay, man, we have to rehearse this and oh, there, there's no way they'll be ready for that. And like And then when you get to rehearsal, you're like, oh wait, like, I don't have to worry. No, but I need to worry. I mean, I'm so used to worrying. But then
1: there's the whole argument: Does rehearsal even work? Does it even help? Mm. Sometimes, you know, I've gone back and forth. Yeah. I'm never sure if it does. <laughs> <laughs> and I know one thing: rehearsing the night before a gig doesn't work. Oh, that definitely doesn't. In work. In fact, yeah. when I have an important gig, I don't touch the piano for two days before the gig, wow. and I play way better. Oh, that's way better. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, you know, I've seen guys sitting there. Shedding an hour before the gig, man. No, 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 no. I could never do that.
0: I do, I'm a. I'm a big fan of being warm. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm a big fan of not playing your song. Like, mm-hmm. like when you have like a classical mm-hmm. competition or something. I'm a big fan of not playing your competition piece that mm-hmm. day because mm-hmm. you're not going to get any better. No. You're not going. <laughs> or, or you could get worse. This stuff's you know? so funny. I know all and this musician lore. I know it's like, so funny. And but I am a big fan of you. You don't want to be. You don't want to be. Like in so, so I'm a big fan of like playing that day. You need to warm up, but I would probably not warm up on that piece. Don't play your piece. You know, it's it's gonna be what it is. But you can definitely impact how warm you are. Like in the sense that, have I played at all this week? Oh sure. (laughs) You know, that that, that can hugely impact. But and then there's there's
1: that always that subject of you know you think this tune's gonna really knock them dead. And it just don't and then this other tune that's like barely on the radar. We just killed it. They yeah, loved right, it right. That
0: is always so humorous to me. You never know yeah. what tunes are gonna fly Well, the one that you told me one time that that was really funny is that you were like Okay, so I sit here and I've, I've made the greatest set list imaginable by a man, you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, dude We have our ballad and then we get this and <laughs> da 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 and then you get there and there's like six people, yeah. you know, in the audience, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you've, and, and you you and I are maybe very similar where it's like, I have like stressed really bad about this, like not lose sleep, but pretty close, <laughs> you know? I mean, you stress and then you, you, and, and then again, this is back to the artsy side, you know? Oh man, I'm going to, oh man. And then I lay this one cord on him. Oh dude, <laughs> it's going to be so cool. You know? And then you get there and they're, they're like talking, you know? Like, it, and so it's like that, that's where that's that's the best argument that I've been able to hear to come this way, writing. I mean, that's the best argument because you like stressing, but at the same time, all of us have felt that way of the performing monkey. You know, I mean, we've all felt that way, and it's this dichotomy that everybody has to kind of decide what you're willing to do. You know, I, I mean, is there an answer? I don't know if there's an answer to that. You know,
1: and many musicians in this town go, well, I just gave up many years ago. Yeah. I don't go with that philosophy. I don't think you give up. You always... Are pushing for your art even if there's one person and that's it I think you still on some level have to be true to yourself you don't just go well I don't care if anyone listens I don't care if anyone comes I don't care I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. go through the motions get my 80 bucks and go home yeah I think that's just a deadly vibe Mm -hmm. for me and you know I can't speak for others but I don't like to hear that that's just uber cynical how many people have that in town
0: Oh, more man. than five. Oh man, it's yeah. it's more than you'd think.
1: Yeah. And I understand the giving up. You know, yeah. sure. I mean, on, in every endeavor in life, there is that point of giving up. But I think if you're in the arts, don't even be in the arts if you've given up. Yeah. You know, just don't be in the arts. Yeah. I mean, I just think we need to always the art people and the art worlds, all of them, need to always be pushing humanity for towards enlightenment, mm. not towards the gutter and the sewer. Yeah. I think. I think our entertainment culture really is going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, because all they do, they just care about what's mass marketing. What, mm-hmm. what is mass marketable here? Mm-hmm. Do I have something mass marketable? If not, we're not going to market it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if the yellow jackets don't sell so many albums, they are gone. Yeah. And we're going to keep their masters. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're going to have to hunt for a label for 3 years, mm-hmm. you know. No matter they've, you know, toured the world for 35 years and blown everyone away, uh, they're not selling enough numbers bye yeah,
0: yeah you know yeah that's that's tough man it's, yeah. it's a tough situation um <laughs> last thing on this is you were talking about the idea of the kind of mentality of the musicians here in regards to the hired guns where you are definitely a band I think uh, you know Lonnie's an example of this where he he has he is the headliner right he he has a huge amount of fans he's the boss and then he hires dudes you know and he has hired guns and that system for him is great, you know, cause he doesn't need help bringing people. He doesn't need help, you know, he doesn't need help with a lot of stuff. He's been here like 40 years or whatever of, of now in my band, I needed it to be a little bit more like family style. I, I ran it like Lonnie, but I kind of actually wanted it more family style and not even wanted it, but I needed it more cause I couldn't bring people to shows. I didn't know anybody, you know, and, definitely like loading equipment in and stuff like that. You know, I I really I thought I wanted to be the dictator, but really I wanted the I wanted more family style. And I've noticed a lot of people, one of the problems with the band that I ran was that it's it's almost like and a couple of people have said this to me. They're like, you might you might try next time to not get the best musicians of all time in your band, mm-hmm. and the, you know not get. And what what they're meaning by that is that all of these other guys are needed in town, right? You know they, these guys are being asked to play in mm-hmm. all these bands, and so it's just inevitable that they have to kind of. Split their emotion a little bit with it. They, they can't put yours on priority right. just because they're they're in three bands and They're the other bands have already been going four years and they're already bigger And so even if mine is more of an artsy like more fun for them a little bit, it's still always gonna be back burner and that's really tough because all of us are at this point where we don't want to take our day job. All, none of us want a day job. We we want to just write, sit here and write music all day, or sit here and 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 play gigs all day. And like that—that's just tough with our scene because if you're in three bands, you can get like twelve gigs a month if you are in the right bands and you're mm-hmm. hustling. And that's cool. That's not maybe a complete living, mm-hmm. but that's like a you know that's mm-hmm. a fifth or a, a half of your income if you if you try really hard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know what the solution is for that because it seems like our whole scene is like that. Everybody has to be in three bands to make it, you know? Mm-hmm. It is a tough one.
1: Uh, and I, I was like you. I wanted to have this tight band that was just chomping at the bit to play this set list, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, may, and that's the idealist in me, which is, you know, can be a little foolish. Um, but the real world brought me back down to earth, you know? But I still think you got to hold on to some parts of your ideals and just maybe try again another time. or with another batch i mean even the greatest players we know you know they had a lot of missteps along the way they didn't just arrive in one day it's a journey it's a journey and you go through things and you learn little things with each one what would you do and i think it's just not easy and a lot of times there's not time to find just the right guy sometimes you just got to go with what you got yeah you know it's never going to be no business on the planet is just going to be you know a
0: smooth cookie cutter sure. thing it's just you said to me right when I think that uh, that you left the band you said I would suggest you go look for some hungry dudes and, hungry that's, young it, and dudes. That's, that's what you were talking hungry about young is, dudes. and this is sort of what I guess I'm talking about where <coughs> these guys weren't really that hungry because everybody's calling them already, you know, they, everybody knows who they are. They're, they're complete badasses and they, and they aren't, they aren't hungry for anything because they it's, it's not that they're given it, but they know they're good. They know that they can go play any gigs with anybody and like, they'll take your 80 bucks. Yeah. 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 And they wouldn't turn down (laughs) my gigs (laughs) because, because again, we all have to just take gigs all the time. But (laughs) that was a great piece of advice that your project's going to work when you get hungry people. Well, I may sound a little cynical about some of my experiences
1: in mm-hmm. Killer, but I will say once we hit the downbeat, everybody was in.
0: Yeah, you know, I agree with that. You know, yeah. now
1: I wish they would be in even more than that, but you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm asking too much because mm-hmm. when we hit the downbeat, they they delivered. Yeah, more often great. than not. Maybe once in a while they weren't quite up to it because I threw a lot of material at them. We never played the set, same set list twice yeah. in you know the eight years we were together. I mean, I was always. New material. We were always just pushing it, trying to find this pristine, gorgeous set list that yeah. just that just you know captivated mm. the room. You know, and you know maybe that sounds a little Pollyanna-ish, but that was you know that's yeah. the artist in me. Yeah. You know, we're idealists. We're yeah. looking for that sublime
0: moment. Yeah, that's great, man. And, um, yeah. So uh, just a couple more things here. Um, you have had. Um, another little part of your life here that you've been starting to dance a little bit. Talk yeah. talk about the dancing stuff that you started. Yeah, to I've do. joined the dance scene and it's a huge scene. So I'm not in all the scene.
1: I'm in facets of the scene, and um, you know I'm a newbie, only two and a half years into it, but I've really dug it. You know, and I can't believe I've hung in there uh, because those first that first year is pretty rough when you're mm-hmm. dancing with people who've been doing it thirty years. Sure. You know, so. But what i found is... Your three left feet. Yeah. Well, well, what i found is most of the people in the dance scene are really nice. Mm-hmm. And even if they've been dancing 30 years, they say, come on.
0: Yeah. You know, it's great. just,
1: it's a beautiful feeling. You know, I've got a lot to learn. But yeah, every weekend, well, you know, four or five nights a week, not just mm-hmm. weekends. You know, um, it's, it's made up of country dancing. And the newest craze that's just going crazy all across the nation is West Coast Swing. which was a dance and it's got many the genesis of it is a little vague we like to say it was invented by drunken sailors Mm -hmm. coming back from world war ii but there's other theories of of how but it's a dance done in a slot and you and the partner kind of stay in this slot but the there's a group in this town that has just taken it to another level i mean they Mm -hmm. are doing they're making the old fogies look twice as like what are you doing? You know, because they're almost turning it into ballet. Yeah, that's you know, great. It, it's amazing. It's called West Coast Swing. Um, when I see a single guy who doesn't maybe have a date Friday, I say, take up West Coast Swing. <laughs> and in one year, you will have a book full of people you know that you like and you hang with. Yeah, that's you know, cool, man.
0: You were <laughs> talking something interesting right before we started about um, how the perspective. How the dancing has changed your perspective on music. It has, right?
1: Because growing up, I'd read about all these classical composers. Oh, they're gonna, Ravel's gonna write a ballet. Stravinsky's mm-hmm. gonna write a ballet. I'm going. I love his music. Why are we talking about ballet? And, right. you know, I just was too immature to understand that. You know, they work hand in hand. You know, and the, the latest, the latest sort of vibe in West Coast swing is, don't think about patterns so much as dance the music. You know, let the music inform what you do. Mm. So it's kind of cool how I've just kind of had to look at a whole nother way that all the great classical composers, all, of course, they all, you know, it was all about the dance. Mm-hmm. You know, Vienna waltzes and all, right. uh, all of it. I mean, ballet and waltz and all of it was about dancing.
0: Because um, so. in, in classical, the gavotte, minuet, yeah. um, boré, yeah. like all these songs we played, they're... Dances. They're dances you know yeah. and we, we, we think we're in this tunnel vision of the, yeah. the, the, the stupid notes and the rhythms yeah. and stuff but actually they they were uh, they were sitting at some rich party and then they're what are these people doing well they're standing there dancing you yeah know, like, and so you know many many years ago I, I would have
1: thumbed my nose at the dance scene you know, I was a musician dancing yeah. that's beneath me <laughs> but I've learned the hard yeah. way it's not beneath me yeah. it's great. That's great and it has many intangible benefits and I can't even say what they are you just feel better. Yeah. You move the blood and the lymph. You're yeah. you're socializing. You get that female yin energy in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's uplifting. Yeah. That's it's great, man. you know, they wanna be there. Here's another aspect I like about it. Men and women need each other in dancing. Mm-hmm. Whereas in our society we're always tearing each other mm-hmm. apart. In dancing, you need each other. They need you. Yeah. They want you to show up. They want to know if you will be there Friday because they want to dance with you. Yeah, it's a cool feeling. Right. Yeah. It's a positive vibe. Yeah. I needed that at this time in life. Yeah. That's yeah. that's great, man. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> um, uh, two two more here for you. I know we've kind of touched on on kind of you know words of wisdom or whatever, but I'm I'm always fascinated because I'm kind of in this mold of the 20 to 30ish year olds that are that are just starting this. Uh, Kind of journey into gigging you know mm-hmm. not not kids necessarily. so i'm not talking about like kids learning music or whatever but do you have any like general advice for kind of younger people even like myself that are that are getting into this gigging professional world the music world yeah, yeah. just like gigging and and looking a band or or being in a band or you know
1: well um you know i've never thought i would talk in these terms but if i was going to give a young guy or girl who's interested in music now, advice, as much as this goes against really what I am, I think there's an easier way to do it than I did it. And I think the easier way is to sort of, I I even bristle that I'm saying this, but it's just an easier path. And that is, you kind of stay within sort of the music hierarchy world and get all you can out of it before you reject it and go your own way. Meaning go as high in education and making contacts in these sort of establishment. I hate to even use that word because I'm so anti-establishment. Yeah. But I mean, if you can go to Harvard, go to Harvard. Yeah. Why? Contacts. Yeah. You will make worldwide contacts. So don't poo-poo our institutions until you've gotten everything out of them that you can. Uh, in other words, don't poo-poo them too early. Because mm-hmm. then you're just That's gonna be a lone wolf sort of flapping in the breeze, yeah. angry and broke. Yeah. You know, don't don't poo poo that scholarship or that teacher that says, Really you need to go here and do this. Yeah. You know, pay your dues in up to a point, uh, I i I can't even believe I'm saying this, but if looking back there's mm-hmm. just an easier way to do it, get on the kind of the gravy train and get all you can out of it. Yeah. And then find your own way later. Don't poo
0: poo it too early, or they will poo poo you back. Yeah, yeah. And I I think what what I got out of what you just said is, is as a teacher, you know, I'm, I'm watching some of these guys. Like for example, uh, you you mentioned that that I'm. I was too good for, or you had this mentality that I'm too good for the dancing. You know, Mm -hmm. that's beneath me, right? And I know I felt that way about many things, Mm -hmm. especially in college, about like being in a cover band, for example, and then I'll go out and watch some people like Dave Hayes, and they've got like a 300 song, songbook in their head ready to go, yeah you know? And maybe he's not doing classical concertos Mm -hmm. in regards to technique, but that's like a huge skill. And I poo-pooed that, you know, at first, and I was like, Oh, these cover tunes and yeah. this country music, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, is beneath me. And then, now that I've been sort of in the establishment, I have a lot more respect and not <coughs> disrespect. But I've learned a lot from that establishment. Is that, I mean, is that kind of sort of what you're talking about? I guess. Yeah, you
1: don't want to let too much pride get in the way. Yes. Um, you yeah. want to stay humble. And the great musicians, Chick Corea, Pat Metheny, name any name you want, John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. The bigger they get, the more humble they get. Mm. The more they know, really, the more they realize they don't okay. know anything. Oh, Jack, because yeah. it's just so good to stay humble. Because then life's easy. You're not boxing shadows every mm. time you turn around. Yeah. You know, you're not at war with yourself and the world. Because no, hardly anybody wants to see a performer who's at war. They go there to mm. feel serenity and joy. Mm. And joy is one of my favorite words. You know, at the end of the day, if you have joy, you win. Mm because so wow. few people do. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really
0: great. Yeah. That's kind of the, the bottom line of, of everything. Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the audience wants to feel your joy. Yeah. You have to love the song you're playing. Love it. Yeah. If you don't love it, maybe don't play it. I mean, because what's the point?
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Which isn't to say you don't play a request cuz that gives them joy. You know, it's a give and take. Yeah. But at some point in the show, they got to feel your joy. Mhm. You know, my ex-wife used to say, I'd take her to some, you know, what she would think is kind of crazy concert. Mm -hmm. But she'd go, he just loves what he does. Yeah, yeah. He just loves what he does. She didn't know anything about
0: music. Right. But she could feel his love. Yeah. 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 I know, uh, uh, the last thing I'll say on music stuff is that he, I remember saying that, hearing about this guy, uh, and you were talking about the joy of listening to somebody Somebody was t- saying to me one time that when they go to a concert, they they're not there for homework, you know. And and I was like, oh man, that like you know that's you're you're killing my soul because I'm wanting to write the seven yeah, yeah, eight and the yeah, scene yeah, of really yeah, difficult yeah. music. And he's like, I didn't come here for homework, <laughs> you know. I'm here to drink. I'm here to yeah. talk to some chick. I'm yeah. here to you know. Yeah. I, I'm. My problem is when I go to like bars, for example, I. I, the problem is, is that I always want to talk like philosophy and yeah. politics, right? And I want these conversations about deep-rooted, why yeah. are we doing this as a musician? Yeah. Like at 11.30 at night after four beers, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to talk about. And nobody else does, you yeah. know? And I, I'm just weird like that. But that's yeah. that's maybe a good another good argument against playing this really intellectual music because at, at a show is this music to, you know, to change the world in the sense of an intellectual sense, or is it joy? You know, and that, that's something that I need to, I need to always keep remembering because like, what is our purpose in this bar right now? Not music period, but in this bar, what is the, is this the, you know, it, are, did they come here for homework? I, yeah. I hate that quote, because it annoys me so much, but I think it's 100%
1: right. But at the same time, I, I would rail against just playing three chord crap yeah. uh, that's just loser music that doesn't lift up, that mm-hmm. just sort of keeps us down in the gutter and gets every, I, I, you know, the whole alcohol thing is just a whole nother subject. You know, one mm-hmm. time I was at a famous place that's in Kansas City, I won't mention the name, And. I went to hear Dan Hicks and the Hot Lips, which is a great band I was into in the 70s. They kicked butt. But he got there, and you could just tell it was really just all about the beer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. just, and even, I've even seen country concerts. Well, it's just all about the beer. Right. You know, to me, that rubs me the wrong way, too. To me, that's almost like too far the other way. Yeah. There's right. got to be, I don't know, I can't yeah. go completely in the gutter. Where it's just all about the beer
0: right you know and the the doing the 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 three chord songs is another moment where um i think some some people i've talked to in like the political realm have talked about like how young people today uh are the the kind of music they're listening to uh is kind of that fake smile fake happy crap and that is not what you're talking about when you're talking about the word joy. No, joy is you a know? whole nother yeah, level. It's a whole nother yeah. thing. And so <clears throat> I totally know what you mean where that's, even though that's being uh, accessible musically, but it's not fulfilling this this need that people have. And like I, I think that's, I, I know what you mean about, you know, there's, there's... There has to be a spiritual quality in music. Yeah. Because we
1: have a spiritual side, whether you want to say we do or we're not. We do.
0: That's the uh, good music. Yeah, is, is the it has good a
1: spiritual stuff. side. Whatever yeah. you, whatever that means yeah. to you, it doesn't matter. But we don't want to always just feed our animal instincts only. Yeah. Now a little of that is fine, but when that's all you have in your music, it hits me cold. Yeah. And that's just me. I'm just speaking for right. me. Yeah, I got you, know? you, man. Yeah, you know it's not all about just rooting and dying. You know, I mean, we have to have some ideals. Like the great composers, they had ideals in their music. You know, they were trying to you know, mm-hmm. raise the, the, let's say the frequency of humanity. Yes. You know, let's think larger here, right. you know. But those are lofty concepts, not, you yeah. know, we don't, we can't all have those. Those are mine, right. you can laugh if you want. You know, it's just one yeah. of those deals.
0: That's awesome, man. How,
1: how I got them, who knows, yeah. you know.
0: Um, got anything else, man? Well, um, how's our time? How's our time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else? I don't know. Yeah, that, I definitely love uh, love talking. The reason why I want to do this show again is I love having these conversations. It's like literally my favorite thing in life, is to talk about stuff like this and wh- the whys and the how can we make it better and the, you know and like. So uh, you know, you're you're one of one of these people in town that have gotten to know that that we've had many of these conversations mm-hmm. and I wanted to just like do that but just record it, <laughs> and that's what yeah. the show is, you know, because I, I think it's really worthy and the 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 big one that i talked about in a couple of our last interviews is the idea of the word cluelessness and that that's probably the thing that annoys me the most in music right now and like from other musicians specifically but the stuff like that when i see people that don't think about they just kind of run their band and they don't think about any of this crap and and maybe maybe they're happier they might be ignorance is bliss ignorance is bliss (laughs) but it really annoys me when I get on stage and the guy's like he's like and he's not even looking at the leader, you know, he's just, you know, just clueless about the moment and then with band leading and writing and like, well, you know, and, and, and that and just really drives me nuts. And I know uh, you, you're more of a person that's kind of with me and at least thinking about these topics. And that's, yeah. I think, why we connected.
1: And, and you know, what was the one thing I was going to say? Oh, um, you know, and I hate to sound so cynical and I really, I've loved all the guys I've played with. I mm. mean. But we're gonna. Oh, don't dis- worry, you are. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna. Di- we're gonna disagree on, you know. And I don't mind having a guy in the band that we disagree on stuff. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because he'll be strong at that, and I'll be strong at what I do. Uh, I I don't like cookie cutter bands either. Mm-hmm. I think you need to have all kinds of people in your band, and they all bring yeah. a sort of vibe. But that being said, you know, I have been in bands where you know we'd sort of be three years into it, and you know, I just wondered. Do these people even love music? Mm. You know, and that sounds so arrogant for me yeah. to say that, because you know, I, you know,
0: yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, it, it sounds arrogant, but I'm
0: just—I know exactly what you're talking. You about. You
1: know, why are they here? Okay, yeah. there's a hundred reasons why they're here. I know why I'm here because I want this town, I want this tune to just shine. Yeah, even if I don't play. Right. Maybe I don't even need to play on this yeah. tune for it to shine in it. Yeah. And sometimes I do that. I just lay out. Yeah. And then when you come in, it's just so much more fun. Yeah. And I'll give you a, I'll give you one little other tip, just in passing. I don't want to end on a, the cynical note. A little tip that I believe in that I never was able to perfect, and maybe the young jazzers will, and maybe it won't even work for you, is rather than fill every bar, like so, let's say you're taking a solo, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of taught to just do 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 and just keep yeah. playing every bar. You're playing something, you know something I did in the practice room that I never was able to perfect on the gig. I'd forget about it. Is play something and then let some bars go by, yeah. and then the next idea will be perfect. Yes. And yeah. if you let some bars go by, and then your next idea will sound like it was written by Richard Strauss. Yeah. It's amazing. Now I'm not saying it works like clockwork. I'm just saying it's something to think about. Yeah. Let some bars go by. Don't fill every bar with your improvised solo.
0: No. It's just a little tip. Our instruments are bad at that <laughs> because we don't have to breathe. We can just kind of keep going, yeah. going and going and going and going. But if and you will let some let bars the, go by, your ideas will make and more and sense. Yeah, now, I, I'm, I'm really not great. saying it
1: as a guy who perfected it. I did not perfect it.
0: Yeah, I forget about that a but lot. But I forget about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You'll sound better. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a great piece of advice, yeah. man. So,
1: you get a little but, more from me from yeah. me on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah, basically our show. Great interview. This is Music Talk. Chris Lewis. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Rob. You're, you're the man. Um, we'll, we'll see you next time and uh, keep bringing music music theater guys, writers, teachers, musicians, knuckleheads, you know, everybody. Beer, beer drinkers. Yeah, beer drinkers <laughs> uh, uh, fit, 50-year-old children you know, that that are that are actual <laughs> like that are, they're, they're adults technically, (laughs) but, uh, you know, but anyways, um, we'll see you guys later. Thank you.